Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. As if he had all the time in the world, Gull calmly lifted a dark cloth from his shoulders and wrapped it around his head, finishing with a thick black veil that hid his face except for his eyes. Do you like to dance, Perrin Ibera? he asked. With that, he darted away from the cage, straight at the oncoming white cloaks. Perrin's point of view, chapter, I think this is 33, The Dragon Reborn. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my good friend Tracy. I'm here with my much beloved friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. We have gall. We have gall. And I don't, I mean that literally and metaphorically. No, it would be literally and literally. Like we have gall, but we also have the color. Color? We also have the character (laughs) Gull. (sighs) Don't mind me, just sweating away in the office. Yeah. Oh, I really hope the heat breaks for you sometime soon. Yeah, it's it's got to at some point. It has to. Yeah. It. I know it has to. It just feels like it's been going on for so long, and I mean, my heart goes out to so many people suffering through all the heat stuff that's happening right now. It's. Someone needs to find that blasted bowl of the winds. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> That's what we've been Ugh. missing. Yes. Where are our sea folk? I don't know, but they can show up anytime they want and I'd be happy. Well, anyways, we are doing chapters 32 through 35 today. Mm-hmm. And the first one is the first ship. Uh, is right. What what a doozy. <laughs> like le- I know last week at some point like we had mentioned, you know, this is this is the tipping point. This is when like everything starts to kick off and things start to cross over and get like wild. But chapter 32 is just like wow. Mhm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have I have a summary for us. Let's go. All right, so chapter 32, the first ship, and Matt means it! As he and Tom approach South Harbor, a ship is beginning to loosen its ties to the dock, but Matt has to convince the deckmaster that he's actually not only allowed to leave, but must be on the ship that's leaving right now. Right the second. Right now. Like, I love this. I love how he's running up to the dock and he's like, oh, that ship is loosening its ties, that one. I'm going to be on that one. And of course, he has to like jump through all those hoops. And so he like flashes the letter from the Amer- Amerlin. And this is the first time this is going to happen. And then he and Tom are off at a run. They leap onto the ship, just barely clearing the railing. And out comes the letter again. That's recent winnings secure them lodging and food for their journey toward Andor. Political intrigues are discussed and assumed while the captain runs his mouth before leaving Matt and Tom to sleep. Tom's snoring makes falling asleep difficult, which is lucky because Matt hears noises on the deck and along the hallway, alerting him to an intruder. Dun, dun, dun. There's a scuffle. 
but Matt comes out triumphant and unscathed. Like a like a true swashbuckler. <laughs> oh, so good. And then we have a really short point of view switch to Rand, who's playing his flute by a fire, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, roasting a rabbit. <laughs> And thinking of all the scary shit that's been showing up in his dreams, along with all the bizarre things that have been happening in the villages he's passed through. (laughs) He's confused and in pain, suffering from a lack of sleep, with only his flute to keep him company. Oh, (laughs) just a sad flute boy. Right. That part just like right in my. I wonder what type of like solemn, lonely song he's playing on his flute in this moment. Right? I mean, what is it? I mean, it, it doesn't even have like a sad name. Like, I feel like it's something like the Rose on the Morning or whatnot. Well, if this was, you know, our current age, it would probably be something like <laughs> trying to think of what's like a really sad song. Mm, probably like something I've like a... from Adele, him thinking about Celine. <laughs> Hello. I was. <laughs> I was going with, um, I've got a right to sing the blues as performed by Billie Holiday. <laughs> no, it was actually the devil went down to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Even better. I love that. That always, that always gets my mood going. <laughs> yeah? I can turn a frown upside down. <laughs> Rand having a one man. Mm banjo party in the the woods right flutes and banjos and all the things oh my Mm -hmm. actually like a few of things stood out to me for chapter 32 did you have anything that you wanted to start with or do you mind if i like go for it jump jump yay uh like matt and tom onto the 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 ship that they must be on they must be on that ship I was, I was actually, this seems so silly. Like, sometimes when I have these thoughts, I'm like, wow, why didn't I think of that sooner? But, like, we were kind of talking about Matt's luck last week. Yeah. And, like, how, how unlike Rand and Perrin, he kind of gets this luck that goes along with his gambling tendencies. And generally, like, what comes out of it is a lot of loot for Matt. And... I'm thinking like how this is what secures him his place now on this ship, like being able to show gold and that he's got a lot more of it. Right. And how that also helps him like in the future. And I hadn't really thought about how crucial currency can be sometimes. I mean, we see Maureen and Lan use it all the time, but Matt's like a poor farm boy. He doesn't have mm-hmm. anything really. So he kind of like he needs this luck that is one of the most important things that will take me out of media like if i'm watching a tv show or reading something where a character like can always end up paying for their meal like if it's a tv show and it's like young teenagers that are always hanging out in coffee shops and going out to eat and going to bars i'm like for one you don't have a job. Where is this money coming from? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Fake, fake, fake. But here in the <laughs> Wheel of Time, like, yeah, I, it, it could almost be like 
Robert Jordan was like, how am I going to get Matt to be able to pay for his way, like, outside of, you know, what's going on with the other characters who are traveling with Moraine? Because yep. obviously, you know, Mistress Moneybags over here, she's not at a lack of coin. No! But Rand <laughs> and Matt, I mean, for one... Thank goodness that Tom taught them how to play some instruments and do some juggling because it could have just ended up right. like if Matt didn't have his luck, would he be like tossing and juggling balls for the entire series? Because that would be, I mean, kind of awful. <laughs> the right. last battle is raging and Matt's like, oh my God, how do I make some money? <laughs> Got to keep these balls flying. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, without this, he would still be stuck in Tarvalin. Yeah. Like, there's no, he and Tom would have been thrown off the side. Tom could have, like, offered to do who knows how many backflips to see them goodness. save passage or whatnot. But, like, the backflip that only captain happened was like, once. no. <laughs> <laughs> no more backflips for you, Tom. I just, I don't believe it. That that broke my immersion as well. What? Tom doing flips. Mm, yeah. He does one flip. That's it. Never again. No more. It's like in um, Song of Ice and Fire. I think Tyrion's first chapter when he visits John at the Wall, he does like a flying cartwheel into a backflip or something <laughs> then every chapter like that is like he's so deformed he can hardly walk and it's like okay <laughs> okay george rr R. martin clean slate no more backflips no more backflips in fantasy well and i don't i i definitely don't see that happening for um what's his face tom in the in the tv show Although, I have to say, <laughs> this is so bad. So, of course, like, in this scene, Matt manages to, like, hand over enough gold that he gets the captain's room. And he and Tom gets to share it, and Tom starts getting undressed for bed. And, like, the description is, like, his scrawny legs and, yeah. like, being sinewy and everything. And I, like, started thinking about... Tom from the TV show in his place and I was like oh that's so much better yes <laughs> instead it would be like his muscle his, his roped muscle right? thighs and his right <laughs> yeah he, he sauntered over to the bed <laughs> <laughs> not limped that, I mean this is definitely I mean again Really, really good-looking cast. No complaints so far. And kind of looking forward to some scenes that I kind of are like, uh. I won't be upset if the actor for Tom doesn't walk with a limp. Yeah. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. I kind of want to talk about, I mean, like, this chapter is really fun. But it's not mm -hmm. something so heavy where it's like so much foreshadowing, so much, mis mm -hmm. you know, mystery. Mm -hmm. But with Rand's chapter, it was kind of like a nice mm -hmm. little, it's super quick, so quick. Mm -hmm. 
and you can really tell like he's becoming a shadow of himself and Mm. again like we get more talk about Celine the lady Celine and Mm -hmm. I think he was like thinking of what was it what did he say his mouth went dry thinking of her it was like gross (laughs) I mean I'm gonna see if I can find it real quick she's like how many hundreds of years old like Come on. I mean, well, don't be fooled, Ram. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just it's kind of (laughs) weird. I agree. I agree. I I wrote down for that section the feelings that Rand is having towards men, and like not sure how he feels about that. And he makes a comment like he's feeling that above everyone else that he's having these dream experiences with or mental assaults, however this is happening to him, he feels like Min is the one least likely to, like, be someone who betrays him. hmm And that seems really bizarre to me, considering it's, like, his dad and Egwene and Nynaeve and people he's known for a really long time. And... I know we're trying to kind of weave this in with like other things that are happening, but it just felt weird. It felt kind of extreme. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. <laughs> no, I mean, uh. I guess you could probably say that Robert Jordan was trying to like make Rand feel like a true teenage boy. And I mean, Mm. I feel like most, I don't know, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds would be like, I don't don't remember how old Rand is exactly right now, but we'll go with like 16, Mm -hmm. 17. If you're far away from home and like you just pretty much meet the first woman that you're seriously interested in, like in an adult relationship type of scenario... Are you thinking mm-hmm. about, like, your mom? Or are you, like, pining after the girl where you're like, we have, like, you don't understand. We have such a good connection. Nobody understands us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Yes. But if this, From that perspective, But yeah. if it were me, I would be like, my family, my brothers, my sister, my mom, mm-hmm. you know? Like, totally. But maybe Rand is just, you know, he's a horny teenager. What can I say? It's a very real possibility. I mean, if we're going off of, like, the biology of human beings, then, yeah, it's 100%, you know, where his brain is right now. Here, here. Hmm. Here, here. I mean, and I have nothing against that <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's like, if this, is, if this is what is happening in your head, okay. But I'm just like, what about your dad? I think your dad would be like somebody you'd be yeah. like wanting to feel yeah. had protective intentions towards you. But I also like in this spot where Rand is, I think one of the things that I hadn't really considered in other readings is the sleep deprivation that he's suffering right now. And this is true. Like yeah, like not only how that's affecting him physically, but breaking him down emotionally and mentally and like he's being 
eaten away at by so many things right now. And it's just so much for any individual to carry, let alone carry alone and feel unprotected. Like he's really on the run, like literally running from town to town. I mean, he might not be like (laughs) running a marathon, but he's he's just on the move. There's yep sleep when you can get it, and that's about it. Yep. And yeah, I hope this is something that I think the TV show is going to really like try Mm. to show because I think that's a good way to kind of explain like. Kids maturing. Not just maturing, but the fact where, like, you know, Rand is starting to become a little bit darker and kind of more Mm -hmm. like of this, I don't want to say scary, but someone someone that you want to sympathize with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anything that he could say like oh like my life is so hard blah 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 like nobody understands like there's only so many times that you can have your actor be like you know like saying it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it would make a lot Mm -hmm. of sense to see him like really struggling like having a hard time staying awake just like pushing himself from one place to the next tired so you know so distraught that he can hardly keep his eyes open and just you know dark circles and like to Mm -hmm. me like that says a lot for Mm -hmm. how his where his head is at in the moment absolutely and Mm -hmm. it gives him an opportunity to make really bad decisions (laughs) you know what i mean like absolutely that can add drama Yeah, yeah. I mean, who makes the best decisions when they're, like, off balance the way that Rand is so obviously off balance right now? Like, he's just sitting there playing the same song over and over again in a way to, like, try to stave off falling asleep because he knows what happens if he falls asleep. And, like, he's just not prepared for that. He can't always defend himself in a way that he needs to. And this use of the faces of people he trusts, people he loves, is going to, like, break him down in, like, kind of a tiny fracture but growing way to just not trust anyone. Even if he knows them and has seen them and they're there in front of him, like, there might always be the seed of doubt, is this really the person? that I think it is. Am I awake right now or am I dreaming? Like, yeah. There's a lot to throw him off balance and he's so young. He's so And young. that makes the dream sequences, the nightmare sequences a little bit better too mm-hmm. when it's like am I imagining things, you know? Is it mm-hmm. is this real? Yeah, I I I know we don't get a lot of Rand in The Dragon Reborn. He's almost he's almost the side character in a book that's kind of all about his arrival mm-hmm. of becoming the dragon reborn and I think it's that's a really smart move on Robert Jordan's part in this writing like we're going to have to have a lot of supporting characters in a series that's going to be as long 
as the wheel of time is, and we need to feel invested in them. And we've got a lot of rand so far. And so having book three, these moments with Matt and Tom and their... <laughs> They're landing on the deck of the ship and winning over the captain with money because, of course, and like Perrin in the chapters coming up and then the characters that are added to them, getting Gaul in these chapters, who's going to be a character later on that we're going to be like, Gaul, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I feel like this is a really good way to make people feel for more than just Rand. I mean, I have completely forgotten all of the chapters with Gween, Nynaeve, Elaine and the White Tower. Yeah, it makes me, I don't know, like, I want to say kind of, like, curious how the TV show is going to do it, where, like, this is a book with so many major characters, where if, you know, that person doesn't show up at this time, the fate of Mm -hmm. the world is changed completely. So it's like, how do you cram in that many important people in eight episodes? (sighs) Yeah. This Reef Judkins, I couldn't do it. Hats off. No. Good luck, my right. friend, because right. oof. Yeah. I'm <laughs> We need to get that that big cork board thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might order it, Amber. <laughs> Should we move to the next chapter before we spend too yeah, much yeah, on yeah. this one? Oh, yes, there's still so many things that I have, like, written down for this chapter, but for time's sake, we'll just save it for a phone call sometime. Well, is there anything, like, major you want to get out of your system before we move on to the next? Actually, yes, yes. Okay. Real quick, the way that this Terran ship captain Mm -hmm. assumes Mm -hmm. that... Matt is a young lord. A messenger. Oh, okay. It- <laughs> yeah. Well, no. A a young lord who is in disguise, like posing exactly <laughs> as this humble farm boy, but is really carrying important messages between the White Tower <laughs> and the Queen of Andor. And I mean, the guy's not totally wrong. <laughs> so funny. I mean, these. This was the point in the Dragon Reborn where I was fully invested in the Wheel of Time series. It was not until mm-hmm. these Matt and Tom chapters where I was like, yep, I'm going to continue with this series. Mm-hmm. Really liked The Great Hunt, but mm-hmm. I guess like the way that it ended, I was like, I could, you know, I could probably walk away from the series and not like be... Mm-hmm not have it like eating me up like needing to know how it Mm -hmm. all ends because it was like ooh, another Mm -hmm. big battle something happens in the sky kind of weird okay but like when this happens and there's that like humor injected and the the relationship between matt and tom is hysterical like they are such an amazing combination of characters Mm -hmm. to put together like tom is just like this crotchety like oh my god this young idiot boy is just gonna you know like (laughs) what is he getting me into and then kind of like having Mm -hmm. his back at the same time and still like looking out for him but they've got like such good banter and Mm. the ship captain thrown into the mix (laughs) so good so good it really is there's that moment where uh, 
like Matt's kind of retorting to this intense dislike the ship captain is like talking about for Aes Sedai and like what the plan would be if Tyr were to like rule the world and so oh my way. gosh loved this too like his ranting about yeah. Mayan yep. and like and Ilian Ilian yep like we set it up last yeah. week where the Amarillan where Swan Sanche is like talking smack mm-hmm. about the ruling class of Tyr and now like we move mm-hmm. to this captain who like yeah he's probably mm-hmm. doing a lot better than some people so he's kind of like higher up than just a lowly mm-hmm. fisherman's daughter but right he's spouting off with all of these really nasty things about the nation surrounding him yeah and it's like we're we're getting into this big time like world building who likes who who hates who where does the power lie who's really in charge what do the common people think about their neighbors i love it yep yep when the the ship's captain is talking about like you said the nations that he hates he barely tolerates andor my note in the corner says, calm the fuck down, dude. <laughs> but in the book, it says, he hated Ilion. One day, we'll loot Ilion Bear, tear down every town and village, and sow their filthy ground with salt. And I was like, damn. Insert, like, Friday. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it is. He's scathing. Like, just. I mean. Yeah, he. He talks about taking them away in chains. Every man, woman, and child, like, will become enslaved. Like, he doesn't say enslaved, but that's exactly what this entails, that they're going to go to Ilion, raise it to the ground, and take all the people who survive their battle lust, I guess, and make them slaves. And I'm just like, where is this hatred coming from? This is so intense. And then there's it's intense of course, like, the way that he's and talking about that High Lord. Yeah, exactly. Because like all he's always like the High Lord Saman. He has told us. I have gone and heard him speak. Oh God. Like. Okay, dude. Mm-hmm. What is happening in Tear? Mm-hmm. And then Tom's like, I've never heard of this Lord. I don't know what's what this guy is talking about. And Matt's like, well, pff, you don't know everything, Tom. Yeah. And Tom's like, yes, I Actually, do, Matt. I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, so good. So good. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the only things that I wanted to make sure that, like, I touched on because I had just really enjoyed, like you said, that world building where we have, like, all of this information that we didn't necessarily have before. like. We're really stepping more into the culture. And I mean, one of the cool things is like, we know because of these things that we've found out about Tyr ahead of time that Matt's not necessarily lucky to have landed on a ship that has a Terran captain. And like, would we know that if we weren't getting all of this stuff from Tyr? Probably not. Something that I'm going to have to keep my eyes open to is looking mm. to see if this conversation from the boat captain 
becomes some pivotal mm. information for Matt or Tom in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like maybe oh, I think that's a good idea. If, if that's a part of the pattern, I mean, we could say it's unlucky for him in the moment, but perhaps this will come back to help him later on. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We'll see. That's kind of what I think. That there's this possibility of him, like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I really, really, really like this part and thought it was good. Same. And yeah, and I wanted, I wanted to make sure to talk about it because, like. It's important. These things are going to come up later. Yeah, and I know when I was reading this series when I was younger, I would kind of just bounce over these parts and not necessarily think about them the way that I do now. And I, I'm, like, kind of shiding past Tracy. It's not something I picked up really on my first read through because I'm, like, I need to get to the more pivotal moments. Like, cool yeah. conversation between these people, but, like, when's, you know, disaster striking? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I and mean, that's... Yeah, that's what you're kind of always waiting for. And I think this buildup, there are so many things that we're going to be encountering here that are just going to be, like, so fun. It's exciting. Chapter 33? Yes, yeah, for sure. Within the weave. We come back to a parent point of view. It's been a minute, but he's still traveling with the ultimate fun crew. <laughs> Is he, though? Is he? Uh, <laughs> I just can't. Like, I'm like, I don't want to travel with Lan and Moraine when Moraine is cranky. No. Lan's on ultra alert mode. Right? I mean, not that he's ever far from ultra alert mode, but like, yeah, this just does not sound like a fun traveling crew. Mm -hmm. They are finding more and more unsettling evidence of Rand's passing. Uh, Rand or Perrin is bothered by this. There are conversations had and whatnot. Lan has scouted ahead. There's a village by the river and this is kind of like the next spot where Rand almost certainly went through. Like they have his tracks. He mentions that strange things are waiting for them but he's not necessarily certain if they are Rand type strange. There's a caged Aiel hanging in the village square, and Perrin is not thrilled for several reasons. They approach the inn where Lan slash Andra has gotten them rooms and find everyone dressed in their fanciest clothes and seeming to be in a celebratory mood. They're hunters for the horn staying at the inn, and they have defeated a band of savage Aiels. Sorry for <laughs> laughing through that. And saved the village! Hooray! The innkeeper seems like he would keep them for story time indefinitely, but Moraine cuts the man off. She would like to see her room now. They all head up the stairs together, and Perrin is bothered by the feeling that someone's staring at him. It's a girl! Aww. Aww, poor Baron. If only, if only Matt or Rand were there. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Isn't that what they all do? I hope I'm not the only one, but every time that comes up in the book, I'm like, I'm over it. This joke just it doesn't right? land with me. 
at all. Nope. At all. <laughs> like, if anything, I'm like, you guys really think that the other person's got their shit together around the opposite sex? Because it really doesn't look that way. Find somebody better to want to emulate. Come on now. Right? Be like Lan. Come on now. <laughs> hmm Cold, unassuming, grouchy. Yeah. Those are all, yeah, those are all perfect words for Lan. For Master <laughs> Andra. Is that the end Let's of this? Let's see here. Oh, no. Okay. Yep. No, no, no. That's the end of it. Okay. That's the end of the, the, the summary. Okay. So we can move on to talking about it. Um, all right. So, <laughs> this innkeeper, what a sack of shit. <laughs> like, he's just, he's like, t- I forget what the the men's name are that fought off the 20 Aeol. But he's like, tell them. Yeah, tell they don't them. Count. Yeah. And I love how, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I get, like, a very, um, like, in the office, you know, where, like, the camera pans to someone and they're, like, looking at the camera. Like, I just picture mm-hmm. them doing that and it's, like, Daniel Henney as Lan and he's, like, <laughs> with that, like, <laughs> lips kind of, like, that whelp face, like, 12, 12 mm-hmm. of you fought 20 Aiel. Okay, well, mm-hmm. looks into camera. Right. Like, it's just yep. laughable. And anyone who isn't a complete buffoon would know that. How dare they think that our party is such a bunch of blackwits. The audacity. Shame, shame. Shameful. You feel bad about this. Yeah. You feel bad for you for not getting this. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean... I liked the sheer contempt from like Lan and Perrin and Moraine about this caged Aiel <laughs> man. This is like typical peak Moraine. She's not completely cutthroat. If she could do something mm-hmm. and free this man without making waves and mm-hmm. it interrupting her search for the most important thing in her life, which is getting her way back to the Dragon Reborn and, you know, saving Mm -hmm. the world, I'm sure she would go out and save this poor caged Aiel man if she could. Mm -hmm. But. Do you think she knew? Like, do you think she kind of had, like, an inkling that this is what Perrin was going to go do after he was done talking to her, that he was going to go, like, free this caged Aiel? I don't know. I mean, if she didn't, uh, who can say? I mean, you want to give these young men the benefit of the doubt, but we've got Matt, you know, stealing treasure. Like, I, I, right? if it were me, I probably would have been like, you know, pointing at my eyes and then pointing at his, like, I'm watching you. Don't do anything stupid. Right. But. Mm-hmm. But who knows? I can read your mind. I'm I said I. Yeah, they could be tired. She could maybe be thinking about something else, trying to save her energy mm-hmm. for the next day's ride and all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that all of the, like, all of this hubbub within 
the town is really interesting. I mean, I guess, like, my point of view is that it really, like, helped me figure out, like, how Taviran, yeah, it's plot armor, but it's plot armor in the best way where it's, like, it's just, you know, things happen because the pattern, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's not, like, where I'm, like, well, isn't that convenient? Now I can be, like, it's just the pattern. It's just Taviran. And mm-hmm. I love, like, this, they're in the wake of, like, a boat right now, and that boat is Rand, and he yeah. is just causing Mm. everything in his trail to become like upset and kind of like Mm -hmm. it starts breaking this Mm -hmm. pattern of reality where like normal people wouldn't do something like this but then Rand shows up and then all of a sudden people are doing Mm -hmm. things that just seem completely outrageous and I mean like I don't know if this is what's happening to these guys, these men that are like, we fought all of these Aiel and blah, blah, blah. Like, maybe that was just something with the pattern because obviously, like, it might be kind of important, this guy that's caged. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, Taviran, mm-hmm. it needs to happen. I like it. Yeah. And I do, like, like you saying this disruption of the pattern. I really like that analogy of like a a ship coming through and like just leaving all kinds of crazy shit behind it. But like that one village where what was it? It was like all the old arguments from the past and grudges like came to the surface mm-hmm. and they all like went crazy and started attacking each other. It took like three murders. Yes. Before they were finally like what the fuck are we doing? And that's that's wild and I can like, I really sympathize with Perrin here because this is his friend. Like, he's traveling in the wake of this. What he thinks is almost evil. Like, doesn't he ask, like, is, is this evil, Moray? He does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, I was thinking about that section, too, because this is, when Perrin asks that question, like, is this evil, Moraine has this... Speech like, prepared. The creator is good. Yeah, Top yeah. Smike, like, I'm like, you know. maybe, is this like, <laughs> is this on? Yeah. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the creator is good. The dark one is bad. The father the of doesn't give evil. a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pattern gives no fucks, parents. Mic drop. <laughs> right? She's done. Out. Shortest TED talk ever. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But I do have to, like, this this feels really similar to that conversation she has with Loghain in the TV show, where that explanation about how there's, there is good and evil, but the pattern is neither. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good that they've, like, kind of dropped that early in the show with, like, this explanation from Moraine. And I think that this is probably, like, the inspiration for that discussion. Yeah. Maybe it'll come back again later. Little refresher. I would agree. Remember, guys? I would agree. I, <laughs> I like that. And I mean, there are other things in this chapter where when I'm reading it, I'm like, interesting. And I 
Mm-hmm. I forget because I feel like so often we get these monologues like the creator, father of lies, the pattern where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I know, I know. But if you really sit down mm-hmm. and like read it and think about it, you're like, okay, like it's important. I have to tell myself that it's important because all that other stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. it comes up a lot. It does. It does. It does. And, you know, it's helpful. One of the observations in here that, like, you had said something about the innkeeper being, like, bleh. I know that wasn't your exact description, but I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) No, Um, that was perfect. But he... (laughs) He kind of automatically assigns parent a role as a servant. I know. Like... Yes. Andra is obviously either master or lord, and Moraine is obviously lady, and Perrin is... The help. What? Yeah, obviously. Because why else would this farm boy-looking individual be associating with these upper-class individuals, and why would they be associating with him? Because they're their class is like so snooty yes you know and i was just like wow and you see it too like throughout this entire interaction in this common room the way that people kind of like fawn over the one dude who's like come down with crutches and a bandaged leg and whatnot and like complaining Mm -hmm. that the healer of the village isn't there because she's <laughs> she's off helping a woman have a baby. Right. Aw. How dare she go help that woman? How dare she? I mean, let's be honest. Nothing more dangerous probably in this world than childbirth. But yeah, like, oh, you hurt your right? foot. Okay. You, your you head probably, hurts. Let's oh, be honest. Oh. You probably took a very well, <laughs> like, placed Aiel spear through the thigh. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Don't care. Still don't yeah. like him. <laughs> Still don't like you. Like, extra don't like you. Gross. But I, I find this look at class when you actually kind of take it in as what's being observed and, like, the places where it gets pushed back against. It's weird because even at the, at the end, there never, there never feels... Like, there's an actual breaking from that upper class ruling over lower class in the Wheel of Time. Like, there's never a democracy. There's never a group of people that, like, rules well together. I mean, maybe that's just politics in general, but, like, it still keeps the same hierarchy. Yes. And that seems like a missed opportunity. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. There's one thing, I believe it's this chapter that I really loved. It might be the next, but mm. I think it was this one. Perrin takes the time to restring his bow. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I would really, really love to see in the TV show. I mean, I know they probably don't have all the time in the world to be like, in this world, you know, like in real life, if you don't mm-hmm. restring your bow, the they will break, like they will get destroyed. Mm-hmm. And it's completely yeah. 
ridiculous to have these characters like <laughs> traveling the world and not like taking care mm-hmm. of their equipment that keeps them alive. So like right, I would yeah. really, really love to see a in an episode in the TV show where maybe Perrin is having a conversation or it could be any of them, any of the three mm-hmm. boys, but Mm-hmm. As they're having that conversation, like them restraining their bow and taking care of their things. Because I think it's just yeah. a nice little, like, it's like a cherry on top of like realism. It is. Would love to see it. Mm-hmm. I agree with you completely. It's the little things that make it for me. Right. And if you're having dialogue, like, you don't want your characters mm-hmm. to just be standing there having a conversation, looking exactly. at each other, you know? Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Give them something to do with their hands, like unstring their bow and properly take care of right. it. Right, and this is this you know? is when conversation would come up naturally, when you're busy doing something and you want to have that, something to, mm-hmm. to keep your mind busy while you're doing monotonous things, you know? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. I do feel as though there are lots and lots of places where so much of what is described visually either in like appearance for clothing or a set or even through a look, I feel like some of this is going to get to be condensed in a way that can't be done in the book so that it can be put into TV format. And I just hope that like in the attempt to kind of cram in as much as they can, they don't lose these small the little yeah. details exactly yeah because yeah. i feel like that's something that they've done really well like starting out like just the the care and attention that's been placed into like how do we how do we want this costume to lay out what kind of influences do we want to have here and like aren't they like dyeing their fabrics themselves like they did in like the 17th 18th century or something like that like yes that is awesome i love that and i hope that they keep it here here okay we're almost at an hour i just wanted to let you know dang it dang it there's so much in these chapters oh my gosh i still haven't even gotten through all of my notes again damn it it's fine it's fine do we want to move on because the next chapter is oh my god (laughs) pick one thing that you really wanted to point out from this one before we move Mm. i can't go on without knowing Okay, I don't know if this is going to be like a quick thing to get through or not, but I do think that it kind of feeds into how Perrin reacts to the situation coming up in the next chapter too. This appreciation for these men who have admittedly committed violent attacks on other human beings and the way that everyone's like, yay, we love you. I would like to see less of that as a response to things in the future. I know I can't rewrite the world of time, but anytime I see like violence applauded, it kind of hurts my soul and makes me want to run off and join the Tuatha on. So Yeah, I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, give me the gore, give me the carnage, give me the fighting. Same! Same! <laughs> I can appreciate it and hate it at the same time, I guess. <laughs> totally. Totally. And you know what? That's it. Is like, that's the push and pull here is 
it's so hard. It's so hard to make any kind of serious change without the tendency to become violent. It's really, really difficult. And in so many situations, our characters are fighting for their lives. You know, they don't have a choice. At least they don't feel like they do. Tuathan would tell them they have a choice. Yeah, I mean, what is it? Like if someone's if someone's trying to hurt you, like physically, mm-hmm. do you say, okay, like we can all settle this through a nice talk? Or do you at one point just have to like grab a weapon and fight? Because mm-hmm. like, you know, what, what do you do? Genocide or right. Like, stand your ground i mean this i'm not talking about in the wheel of time i'm talking about like in the world but i'm not saying Mm -hmm. that like what my opinion is on it but it's like just one of these big topics where it's like it's heavy and it's something that could be talked about for hours and hours so yeah absolutely yeah big stuff yeah, the other things that I were I had listed were also kind of along. I guess that's where my head my head is at the moment. I'm a woman living in Indiana in the United States of America. I fear for my rights every day. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at you, but like, uh, I mean, I I think I've run out of emotion. So <laughs> this is I all I got. This is all I got. I get it. I get it. Like, I really do. Like, what else do you do? What else do you do? Whatever. This is our escape from that. I don't want to get into that. It was just an observation that, like, I'd like to see more writings that kind of diminish the prestige that's given to people who get their way because of violence, because of a perceived threat. Like, that's the other thing about this is, like, they weren't even a threat. These guys lied. And right. so how often have we had, like, serious altercations as the result of people lying and not wanting to lose face? Because that's another big theme that comes here is, like, they, they are above everybody. Like... Everyone should be bowing down to them anyway. These men in this village. And whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Our hunters. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, that's what I had. <laughs> but I think we can move to chapter 34. Actually, a word from our sponsors. Hmm. If you like what you hear, rate and review us anywhere you listen to the podcast. This helps new listeners find the show. This podcast is brought to you by you. If you'd like to fund the show and receive cool stuff while doing it, check out The Road to Tarvalin on Patreon. All tiers can join us weekly for live recordings on our Discord server. Lastly, our Wheel of Time shop has a new web address and international shipping is finally live. Find all the links in our show notes and thanks for listening and joining us on The Road to Tarvalin. And we're back. Yes. We've returned. So chapter 34, A Different Dance. Indeed. Okay. The innkeeper gossips away as he takes his new guests upstairs. What he has to say visibly upsets Maureen and his recounting ends when Maureen slams her door, leaving the rest of the group to find their rooms. 
Perrin doesn't really settle in so much as just set his stuff down and then sits to think about what they have encountered since they have entered the village. Darkness has fully fallen before Perrin acknowledges he's getting nowhere on his own. He heads to Moraine's room, knocks once, and then walks in. Perrin. So. Rude. Seriously, man. Moraine is not dressed for a visitor, but she tells him to spit out what, he, what he's there for. He wants to know if this is Rand's doing and mentions the girl staring at him. Her responses are not super helpful, but one thing he knows what to do without her advice. Leaving Maureen's room, Perrin sets off to free the Aiel man in the cage. The plan goes well enough until a bunch of white cloaks show up and Perrin and his new buddy Gaul have to kick a bunch of ass and then get the fuck out of town. Bum, bum, bum. Well, Tracy, the dirty weasel boys are back. <laughs> <laughs> How about them white cloaks? You know what I totally forgot mm. is that mm. Perrin be killing a lot of these white cloaks early on in the books. I mm-hmm. totally forgot that this happened. <laughs> Same. Same. I was like, oh, right. Because I knew there was a fight coming up. I was like, there's a fight scene coming up. Who are they fighting? Because it's mm-hmm. not the villagers. And then the white cloaks show up. I was like, oh, I, sh- <laughs> I should have known. I just, I just should have known. Fucking white cloaks. Right? Of course they're showing we up. We get the, the drop of men's viewing an Aiel in a cage. And we have these asshole kids throwing rocks at the Aiel yep. in the cage. Seriously. Those jerks. This town, man. Yeah. I like how Moraine was, or was it Loyal, was like... They shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Where, where, where are their yeah. parents? What? Where are the adults? Yes. Right, yeah. Loyal? He's like, their parents at least should be stopping them. Right? Like, yeah. And I, what I think is, like, I, it almost goes by too quickly to, um, like, notice. But Loyal's reaction when he's saying that, how, like, He's kind of growly and his ears go back. Yeah, like, he's irritated we don't visibly. See Perrin... Yeah, we don't see Loyal get worked up very often. And I think if I think if I were him, I'd probably have very similar reactions. Yeah, and it's it's interesting yeah. too, the dichotomy of like Loyal being like so happy, like they have a bed for an ogier. It's big enough for me. Oh, it's Sunwood. Yeah. Look, Perrin. And Perrin's like, yeah, whatever, loyal. Like, I'm busy thinking about my deep, dark thoughts. <laughs> I'm brooding. Yeah, and loyal's like, you don't seem to be very excited about my Sunwood bed. <laughs> oh, loyal. But at the same time, like, he's so happy in one moment and then like this place is wrong in the next like you can yeah. feel it and of course mm-hmm. like it all comes back around when the dirty weasel boys are back in town yep yeah and i mean parents struggle so hard with this his desire to not do violence is a part of his characteristic that i actually find myself appreciating more now than I have before, which makes Perrin easier to read for me. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, at the same time, though, like, it wouldn't be so hard 
if we didn't already have this like deep like heavy feeling these deep heavy feelings for the white cloaks because we know what they're Mm -hmm. capable of so it's like from the reader's standpoint i can see where people would be so just annoyed with Perrin where it's like yeah these guys gotta Mm -hmm. go my friend like (laughs) Mm -hmm. do it kill them (laughs) but yeah Mm -hmm. oh i'm not at your level of anti-violence right now (laughs) (laughs) i guess i guess i i fear the repercussions of violence that happens and I'm probably thinking a little too deeply about it, like this is just fiction and whatnot, but I'm I'm feeling a little sensitive about the state of the world these days. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, I actually, okay, so something that has nothing to do with anything that we've been, like, talking about dark stuff. I wanted to, like, touch on something that you come back to a lot that, like, makes me look at things differently so when Perrin is like talking to Moraine and he says that Rand has still somehow managed to stay ahead of them and Moraine's response is like he has the blood of long runners in his veins and blah 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 Mm -hmm. blah blah and I was like or (laughs) (laughs) or this poor kid is quite literally running for his life barely sleeping no money has no has no money has no one to worry about except for himself he's traveling super ultra light and he has a physique that lends him the ability to cover ground at a more rapid pace than someone who say like my height you know so i was like what and okay, too, I'm like it. Moraine and Lan and their party, they're carrying provisions. Like they have horses, right? They, Moraine's mm-hmm. probably got a couple spare riding outfits, you know. Like right? Karen's probably the only one who's like, yeah, I got an extra pair of pants and some bowstrings, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But I think for Moraine and her party, you can't be traveling and looking like hobos Mm -hmm. if you want Mm -hmm. to kind of remain anonymous like if she's the lady moraine and he's master andra like there's less question about it so like they're probably yep traveling with provisions and have extra stuff with them where they Mm -hmm. can't just like run off from village to village like rand can exactly yeah i mean the care for the horses alone truth takes time and there's four of <laughs> Rand's them like on my own horse <laughs> <laughs> he ran his horse to death like they're not doing that that's the kind of urgency that rand is facing i don't think this has anything to do with his background his lineage i think this has everything to do with his need to survive Necessity. and the fact that he is one person light traveling necessity yeah exactly exactly 100 percent. i would never have thought about that if you weren't like oh this blood of minethrin thing so over it (laughs) (laughs) i really i love that i really don't like the we come from a blood of (laughs) master race 
I mean, come yes, on. right. Come on. No, I, I I'm love that. I that... seriously would never have looked at it that way I'm had not, you not started talking about I'm it. I'm not saying that they think that they're like. I'm not calling them what you think I might be calling them. I'm not. Right. But it's just kind of one of these tropes where I'm like, oh, I roll. Like, mm-hmm. we come from the blood of an ancient culture mm-hmm. that was better in every way. And no, everyone's the same. People are people. Like, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. There is the gossip from the innkeepers pretty good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> there are just these, like, little glimmers of truth in it. That he's just like dismissing wild gossip. Yes. And I'm like, oh, ho, 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 you don't know this guy. He was he was really interesting to read. I mean, like the guy is he is what he is. But like at the same time, mm-hmm. all the stuff that he's saying and talking about made for some fun reading, I guess. It really did. It really did. And I think it gave an opportunity for characters like Perrin and Loyal to show some of their qualities, like Loyal's visible disgust at the way that these children are behaving around the Aiel men. Like, don't you like Loyal a little bit more now? I mean, he's like defender of the people kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, like his heart's so big. It's one extra reason to like him. Mm-hmm. Like, little things like this, I think, are really good at building up the story to be, like, connected to these characters. And I think this is really fun. I did think it was funny when Perrin was like, Moraine, I'm really worried. There's this woman, and she's been staring at me. And she's like, some women like a nice pair of shoulders, Perrin. And I'm like, (laughs) can you imagine how... (laughs) I'm trying to see Rosamund Pike saying that line to Marcus Rutherford, and I'm just like cringing. Oh <laughs> cringing. no! Oh, this is something I can avoid saying. Please don't put this in the show, Amazon. Please don't pass. do it. Hard pass. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. That was actually the very next note that I had because it also like that little smile that she has. I'm like, are you thinking about yourself from your like? Boy, crazy accepted right. days. New spring moraine. Like, Maybe she was thinking about Swan. <laughs> Aww. Maybe. Maybe. That's cute I'll too. Hold that in my heart instead. <laughs> right? I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I'm going to see if I have anything else in here before we. I did not. I think the only thing that I had. For chapter 34 that I wanted to ask you about is, like, the uh, Aiel prophecy reveal that's done in this chapter. Good call. Good call. Yeah. I mean, I liked, I really liked it here because it was, like, kind of like like a throwaway line. Like, we're fighting. All this stuff is going on. By the way, a little bit about a prophecy. Mm -hmm. And then that's it. It was like the perfect level yeah. of prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I <laughs> it like this. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes when it's, you know, a couple pages long and we're getting like these really long monologues, it can be kind of like. Right. Next. But this was like, yeah, the perfect amount of prophecy. 
it was it was quick it was punchy easy to remember like and i mean it was gall i wanted to know oh my gosh i could have i could have spent way more time with him this is another like interaction that i really appreciate the way that it's written like there's a there's a weird levity to it the way that parents like well i lowered your cage and i opened it for you and you're still sitting inside there i'm not carrying you away as well Mm -hmm. and i'm like ha 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 that's funny funny (laughs) like there's just something like you said the banter frequently even if it's between strangers still has like a, a feeling of connection like i hope to see gall again sometime in the future same here here yeah yeah I know, okay, no, we just talked about how anti-violent I am. Gotta say, Gaul just flowing out and kicking those white cloaks' asses with nothing but his bare hands was, like, joyous. Get it. Get it, Gaul. Ooh, so good. Yeah. (laughs) What is wrong with me? I'm some sort of weird paradox. (laughs) Give me all the peace and all the violence. Maybe it's better in fiction. I don't know. Let's see here. I think I think that might be everything I have for chapter thirty-four. Okay, so let's let's wrap it up. Boogie over to chapter thirty-five. Boogie. The Falcon. AKA But you're a girl. <laughs> <laughs> that was the line that stuck out with me the most. Ah! <laughs> Oh, don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> okay. Okay. Post-White Cloak Carnage, Perrin, Loyal, Moraine, and Lan gather their things from the inn, their horses from the stables, and head down toward the docks. A ship it will be to carry them first to Ilion and then on to Tyr. The horses are lifted aboard, followed by the humans, and just as the last line is let loose, the dark-haired girl runs out of the shadows and launches herself onto the deck. She tells the captain she will f- travel as far as Perrin is traveling, and once the agreement is reached, she comes to stand next to him. They talk for a bit. Perrin feels she's slightly condescending tor- towards him, but I argue it was the other way around. A girl can't be a hunter for the horn? Really, Perrin? Really, Perrin? <laughs> How dare you? That's actually what I wrote in my notes. How dare you? How dare you? So funny. Okay. Then she tells him he can call her Mandar. And he laughs so hard. I don't think. Right? This is one of my favorite moments in the story because it is so funny. Okay. So funny. I don't blame him for laughing at this one bit because I mean. You know, Mandarb, the stallion of lands. So he tells her she's, you know. You might want to pick a different name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you don't want to be uh, the same name as the stallion. Could someone saddle Mandarb for me today? I mean, the horse. Not you, Mandarb. The horse, not the girl. Right? Yeah. Parents, stop. Ah. So she tells him her name. Oh no! Is oh no! What? Yeah. What? Mounting, <laughs> mounting Mandarb. Totally oh. new context. Okay. Okay. Is that is that our show's title? 
yes. for this week, Mounting yes. Mandarp. I'm yes. just going to make a note of that because you know I'll forget, but that's too good not to use. So anyway, she tells him her name is Zareen Bashir, but that's no name for a hunter. Perrin's like, I like it. And she's like, don't make me pull a knife on you. Um, he starts to walk away from her, and before he's gone below deck, she yells at him that he may call her Fael, Falcon in the old tongue. Perrin has found his falcon, right? Here mm-hmm. she is, Min, as Min has predicted. Mm-hmm. 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 Min, she can do it all. She can do it she all. She can. Man, like two predictions in one go in one town. The okay. and the falcon. To me, like, I don't have anything really non-spoilery for this chapter. Ooh, okay. Um, well, so if you have anything. Stuff, you know what? I probably do, but considering timing, if you want to, like, move it forward, I'm totally fine with that. Okay, I will say this one thing that is not a spoiler. Yeah. In a world where female warriors exist, like the Aiel. Right. Why would it be weird? Like, why would it be weird for a woman right. to be like, I want to be a hunter of a horn? Like, why is it only in one society? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Aes Sedai are powerful women. We have Right. Queens. They have a battle, Aja. I mean. Yeah, exactly. What? Why? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It did. It did bother me. Like I was like, I seriously. The side note in my in my book, I wrote down, "How dare you!" <laughs> <laughs> Glad to see we're on the same page. Yeah, I was just like, "Baron, what, what?" Throwing my hands up in the air. Yeah, I was outraged. Outraged, I say. Okay. I'm jumping into spoilers. Do it. So happy to like get new characters for one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fail is such a divisive character. I can totally understand why some people hate her, but at the same mm-hmm. time, for some reason, everything that I don't like about Fail, like it, it doesn't bother me. Like, and in, in other characters, it would just like grind my, I would grind my teeth and be <laughs> like, this person, I just can't get on board with liking, like. Mm-hmm. There are instances where Egwene's character completely, like, just, I want to pull my hair out. But for some reason, like, Fael, I'm just like, you know what? Like, her and Perrin can both be complete idiots. And for some (laughs) reason, it doesn't bother me. Like, Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that if we had gotten more point of view chapters from Fael in the Mm -hmm. beginning she would not be as hated on as she is. Yeah, I I think the constant sniffing and Perrin trying to, like, read her emotions is really weird. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. It's just, like, you know, I'm I'm not not a fan of it and at the same time Mm -hmm. like i love when they finally like put all the shit behind them and they're like we're adults now yeah we have a a, like caring (laughs) good relationship and i'm like Mm -hmm. good for you guys like i'm Mm -hmm. proud of you you worked shit out you like saw each other's point of views you're Mm -hmm. making it work good on you 
I agree with you. It's actually like, I think it's kind of unusual to see that kind of growth in a couple in a series like this. I don't know yeah. for sure because I'm kind of limited, but I feel as though like, I don't know, Andrew and I have been married for close to 10 years at this point, and we are certainly in a very different place now than we were when we got married. and. There's so much to say about that commitment and choice to be there and take care of another human being and the work that it takes. And I think there's actually a really good example of this in Perrin and Fayo. Like, you kind of want to smack them every once in a while, but then they actually start working together. And yeah, and they have, like, like, this really rushed marriage, too. It's like, yeah. oh, by the way, the the end of the world is coming. Should we like go ahead and get married? Because (laughs) there's no time like the present. And it reminds (laughs) me, I mean, I, I worked on a military base, so I'd seen like a fair share of very young relationships where it was like, Mm -hmm. this man that I care about is getting deployed in a different country. And we've been together for a year or two. And we're just going to get married because that's the thing that, happens like mm-hmm. it's not rare and mm-hmm. i mean you see your fair share of like these rushed mm-hmm. relationships when it's like mm-hmm. we're being we're it's almost like being like forced into a situation where it's like i don't know like i might not see this person that i care about for a very long time mm-hmm. so like what do we do how do we go about trying to make things better let's get married like then we don't have to be apart and then it's like then you're living on your own and in a different country and you know like so many like outside things putting stress on a relationship i can't imagine well i mm-hmm. can kind of because I'm married to someone and left my country for them, but uh, (laughs) I can't imagine. And it is not an easy situation, despite how similar you are or you think you are. And like with Perrin and Fahil, it was like they, it feels like they knew each other for like five minutes. And then they were like, okay, well, like there's nightmare creatures coming to try and kill us and the end of the world might be coming. So like, why not? Let's give it a go. (laughs) Right, yeah. I love that you bring that up, your experience with like the two cultures, how it can have its stressors on a relationship. Because I I don't think many people, I mean, I, I don't know many people that have a similar situation to you. I think you're like my only friend like that right now. Nope. I take that back. I have one other friend that has a similar situation. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm looking at Perrin and Fahil and their, like, cultural differences are mm-hmm. huge. Like, yeah. the United States and Germany, our cultures are not that different. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes and there are some differences, but it's nothing like ground shaking where it's like, right, I just couldn't survive in a situation where people like this was the norm and I'm different than that. I mean, it's really yeah. not that different, but it's enough to where it's like, okay, like some things are different. Like that's strange. Yeah. You move on. But with Perrin yeah. and Fahil, She's coming from a culture where she was raised by her parents to believe that a man 
not sticking up for himself is like mm-hmm. the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why? Right. And despite like this belief, she still chooses him. She mm-hmm. falls in love with him. So like mm-hmm. she's actively like rebelling against her culture, just being in a relationship mm-hmm. with this man. Mm-hmm. And like you see it later on when he meets the Bashirs. <laughs> Meet the Bashirs. <laughs> sounds like a really bad oh, what a show that would be. Show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so like she's not she's stepping out of her like boundaries what's safe for her she's stepping into this like unknown this different thing totally and despite her treating him like terribly in some instances like not gonna Mm -hmm. sugarcoat it she was a total ass hat Mm -hmm. but so was he um yeah yeah i think that like I've brought it up before, if you were raised to believe something that was, like, a cornerstone of your culture and, like, have to, like, be put into a relationship where you're, like, oh, like, I have to relearn everything? I mean, mm-hmm. how would she know that that is wrong? Like, how would she know mm-hmm. that this is mm-hmm. not how you should be acting when it's what Mm -hmm. you're surrounded with i think of like someone who's born into a cult or something you know like they don't realize that something like really messed up is happening i watch too many of those shows (laughs) like inside i just watched the i killed my dad or whatever it was okay suggested i finished watching it I wanted yes. to tell you, I couldn't open it up without, in my head, going, I just killed my da. <laughs> <laughs> killed my da. <laughs> I would laugh at myself, and then I would open it and go like, oh, this is so sad. This is so sad. <laughs> but. But. If this was all I knew, and this is what my culture mm-hmm. told me what was correct, like, mm-hmm. I can't fault her for like having a shitty Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. living situation like I couldn't be mad at a child for like I don't know like just thinking like this is how the world is supposed to be because that's what they were taught and they have no Mm -hmm. outside you know idea of how things could be Mm -hmm. and they're Mm -hmm. kids so like I guess I give her I cut her way more slack I think than Mm -hmm. some other characters yeah. I mean, this is her entire culture. It's not even that it's just like a weird thing that her family alone does. This is right. Like Saldean culture. So it is definitely like a a culture clash. And I I wanted to say, like when you were talking about this, one of the things I thought of is that I would rather have them both be asshats than have it just be Fael, who is the one who is changing to accommodate Perrin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they work at it together. They acknowledge their own faults and flaws. And it's not Perrin being like, well, everything you do is totally wrong. And I expect you to completely change. Because, I mean, that happens in relationships a lot. And no, the other way around, too. Like, Fael does want Perrin to change. We get some of her, like, interior thoughts where 
she does want that but she also just loves him to pieces the way that he is so she's willing to be patient she's willing to make the changes that make them both happy and that makes a really good relationship that makes a really good relationship yeah and i mean Perrin, like right off the bat like he their first meeting he flat out tells her what he thinks how he thinks she should be as a woman you know oh my (laughs) god good like that is their that is their very first chat and it's like him demeaning her yeah yeah oh good point i mean i saw it as like being demeaning but i didn't necessarily think about how like this is their first meeting this is what because i mean in some ways it's kind of similar like when my husband and I first met, he thought I was a jerk to my kid. That was his first impression of me. <laughs> you were like, no, you don't understand our relationship. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, it was probably, like, three or four months ago, and he was like, remember how, like, I felt about the way that you talked to Aiden? He was like, I get it now. I get it. And I was like, right? <laughs> Sometimes that's just how it is. We all have, like, our weird things. We all do different things to find ways to communicate with the people that we love. Because I do, as ridiculously romantic and optimistic as this is, I do really believe in the power of love and compassion. And it's something that I feel like I receive a lot of in my home and in my friend group. So it's easy for me to... Yeah, I w- it's easy for me to want to give that to other people because I see the benefit of what happens when it's given to me. Yeah. And like living a life that like kind of embraces that. Like seriously, I'm like, give me my own wagon. It's a brightly colored clothing. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Green, I'm taking Bella. You don't deserve her. <laughs> you don't deserve her. <laughs> I'm commandeering this horse. <laughs> now run along. She shall frolic in the fields with me and the Tuatha on. There's one more thing that I really mm. wanted to bring up for the spoiler section. Cool, cool. I have one thing too. So I, I'm wondering if they're going to match. Okay, probably not. I think this is like a very small thing. But okay. the ship captain in the first chapter when he's, you know, going off. Yeah. And he starts talking about Mayan. I yeah. forget that, like, how soon we're going to meet Berlan, Berlane. And yeah. I think, like, as far as characters go, I know she gets a lot of shit because it's just she's another, like, sexy sex lady. Hey, snakes and foxes. Mm-hmm. Perfect timing. <laughs> Perfect timing. Sexy sex lady talk. <laughs> he knew but he was missing out on something today it's another one of these characters where people kind of like just be like oh she's worthless like she's just trying to like seduce everyone and i really like bear lane <laughs> like i like that mm-hmm. she comes off as kind of this floozy but really like she is one of the most <laughs> savvy political players in the entire series and i will die I on this hill <laughs> But, I mean, this is why this, we just now in this first chapter learned why the nation, the city nation of Mayan, has to be 
how they are. Like we are learning mm-hmm. exactly what she's protecting her people from, from just being swallowed basically by mm-hmm. tear. And we mm-hmm. just saw how he feels like just this random ass boat captain, what he thinks mm-hmm. about man. So like, what does, yeah. you know, the high Lords think like how I can just picture them you know, like salivating over the idea of taking over man and like what it yeah. could do for them. And absolutely how amazing it is that like this young woman, this young leader mm-hmm. was able to stave that off for as long as she did. Yeah. Kudos. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the the ship captain is even like, He's talking about Mayin's access to, like, some oil, fish, shoals, something or another that, like, supports their wealth and whatnot. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this is just about suppressing a woman that's, like, continuously outsmarting you and has an economic benefit over you. Cool. Right. Nice to meet you here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I think, like, if if, if all you're seeing is... Bear Lane trying to sleep her way out of her situations. Yeah, the situation. I mean, mm-hmm. or to advance her agenda. Right. You wouldn't like her. But, like, uh-huh. if you really look at like what's going on politically in this yep. landscape, you're like, well, hot damn, Bear Lane. Like, you did right. it. You did you it, savvy girl. bitch. You did it. And that's, I mean, like, I, I think maybe that's why the Aiel just, like, they're charmed by her. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure they get a kick out of her. Like, they probably think she's oh, yeah. hilarious, for one, because yeah. of, like, she's like, you know, look what I can do. <laughs> and to them, <laughs> it's, it's probably like, look at these dumb-ass wetlanders falling for it. Like, way to go, Bear, La- Bear Lane. Like, you did the damn thing. Good job. We like, love you. Yeah, yeah. We love it. I mean, how entertaining would it be to be right? one of the Aiel and watch her just kind of, like, doing her thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be so... I mean, I love that as a, an example or, like, a reason for why the Aiel like her. There, there has to be a reason. Right, right. And I think... Okay, so I think because of the time period when this is written, like, the 90s, there was kind of like this concept of a woman using her sexuality to get what she wanted and that it was like okay to be okay with that. And granted, part of that mentality covered up a lot of bad shit, but part of it I think was really good for us. Like, you use what you got. And she used everything, which included her brain. She was really smart. <laughs> so this episode is either called Mounting Mandar <laughs> or Bear Lane's Big Brain. <laughs> <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> Bear, Lane, Bear Lane's Big Brains. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. We can do that. Okay, but that was the only, that was my last spoilery, spoiled topic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the only thing that I had 
involved the High Lord Saman. Is that his name? Sure. Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, and the like. Okay, so he's a Forsaken. This doesn't feel too surprising. Dun dun dun. Yeah. But when I was, like, kind of, like, looking into him and him being referred to as, like, this cunning manipulator, I was just like... Is this one Samael? It's Who's Bilal? this one? Okay. God, Bilal comes... He's... Bilal. How does this Forsaken... Like, how many times has he reinvented himself? He's like Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt, you are spot on. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. The Forsaken, formerly known as Bilal. <laughs> the Entertainer, formerly known as Prince. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I just, I was kind of thinking about how this ship's captain is like, basically foaming at the mouth discussing this horrific intention towards another group of people for really no good reason. And all of it seems to come back to this high lord, Saman. And then I started thinking, how does this guy get all of his information out to the people? Oh, interesting. Right? I think think what... (laughs) I don't, I don't even know if that works right or not. Like, I feel as though there was something about, like, some sort of dream thing involved where, like, but I don't remember that for sure. I'd have to look into it. But I was like, like, I think the ship's captain says something about how he's heard the High Lord Simon speak at some point, And I was like, really? Like, that's something I can't Is he, really like, soapboxing th- somewhere in the yeah. harbor? Like, here, yeah, he, he, he <laughs> He's holding rallies. Like yeah. throwing paper towel around. Sorry, he's got um. a he's got a hat, a t-shirt, cannon. Yeah. <laughs> Down with Ilian. Have a t-shirt. Pow. Yeah, that's what's happening. Oh my god. But that's that's what I was trying to think of. Is like this guy feels totally brainwashed. You know, like. Well, I mean that that tracks. Yeah. But how does he do it? And I mean, in particular, with a ship's captain, how often does the ship's captain stay in tier? And when he's in tier, is that what he does? He goes to political rallies? Like, okay. This just seems really weird. Like, there's no mass level of communication at this point. Everything is more or less word of mouth or drawings or like pamphlets. But as far as I know of, there's no printing press. It sure as hell isn't an internet. Like, and it shocks me that any high lord would feel as though they needed to come down to talk to the masses to get them to swing to their opinion. That's not how the high lords work. They don't care what the commoners think. They just point them around and tell them to do what they want them to do. So this is like, big red flashing lights to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pay attention. I thought you were like, 
<laughs> making like <laughs> what a large truck sounds like when it's backing up. <laughs> I mean, maybe <laughs> I was try- I was going for like a a siren effect, but I my sound effect categories and selections are few. Sorry, what we get today. <laughs> no, I mean that's some that's a good point. We'll have to keep our eyes open to see like if there's any clues into how mm-hmm. this is happening. Because I yeah. also feel like if, you know, there's this new cool high lord showing up and saying things that people gravitate to, like maybe he doesn't yeah. have to say anything himself. Maybe he puts yeah. an idea out and he's got followers who are just, you know, repeating it and he's got his own little cult following because of it yeah i mean that's possible one person that we didn't talk about who like shows up here in a really weird way is masima and that's basically what he's off doing yeah yeah i forgot about that yeah me too (laughs) until we just started talking about it (laughs) isn't lan basically like fucking masima was it lan or moraine it's moraine it's It's moraine She's like, I think she says something about like I know taking someone. his hide and tur- turning it into boots or something like that and then slams Skin. the door. Yeah. She's fucking pissed. Maureen is mad. So mad. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just, it's weird to me because even if he's using like this dream thing, like the ship's captain isn't going to be there all the time. Like, does Bilal have a compulsion magnifier that he just, like, occasionally takes out of his pocket and uses? Pull out the compulsion magnifier. (laughs) (laughs) Aye, aye, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so mounting Mandarb. And Bearlane's. Big brain, Bearlane. Bearlane's big brains. And the, what was it? magnifier the compulsion um, magnifier compulsion magnifier i think that's where we wrap it up (laughs) (laughs) i'm good with that okay (laughs) thanks so much for joining us we will continue to release new episodes every wednesday we would love if you would subscribe to the podcast leave us reviews and share us with your friends in the wheel of time community let us know what you thought of our content correct us send us things we may have missed You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.